got a problem. You don't know what to do. Your dreams are strange, and you're seeing things too. The world is full of mystery. Life's more than you can see. You can ask pomegranate. You can ask pomegranate. She's a priestess. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I've just been thinking about this uh, figure of speech that I learned from a friend of mine that she used with her child and I now use with my grand person. And the figure of speech is, that is not the way of our people. And it was it's a way to teach the children uh, about how to behave without criticizing them or putting them down or having to harm their sense of self. And what you're holding out for them when you say it is a value. And the value is our people. And then not only that, but the way of our people. In other words, we are a collective. This is about relationships, right? And we've arrived in human bodies to be in a tribe. And you arrived with a tribe of some kind. They're the people that you grew up with. And those people, those people are important to you. And whether or not they're extremely difficult and therefore you can no longer speak to them, which happens a lot. I'm not one of those people. I don't actually subscribe to the idea that you have to stick with people who are too difficult to deal with. I think that if they're too difficult, it means one of the consequences of being a really difficult person is people stop wanting to be around you. And that it's your responsibility to understand that, to understand that you are too difficult to be around and correct for it. And it is not the way of our people to put up with truly difficult people. Um, it is the way of our people to work through problems. So this idea, the way of our people is inherent. It means inherently that we are interconnected and that one of the most valuable and stimulating spiritual paths you can ever go on is to be in a relationship with another person. And in fact, it's very likely that the people who are driving you the most crazy were people that you agreed to meet. Those people, the ones that are stimulating you the most, the ones that are irritating you, the ones that are making you crazy, the ones that you dislike or even possibly hate, those people are stimulating you to grow. Um, in Jungian, Jungian psychology, uh, he would, Carl Jung would say, you know, that's your shadow self. So when you see something in someone that you dislike and you're fixated on them and you're thinking a lot of um, hateful thoughts, which we'll talk about later in this podcast, um, he, I, I, this is me paraphrasing, he's, he recommends that you look at yourself. What is the characteristics of that person? Describe them. Describe it very clearly. Here's what I don't like about this, 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 and this. Well, guess what? That's you. Because <laughs> guess who you have control over? You have control over you. So when you have difficulty, when you're in relationship with people, they're there for a reason. There's value in it and you can't run away from it, but you can make choices to come to a place of completion and either that will grow the relationship to be stronger or you'll be allowed to leave it. And I think our podcast today, we've got a lot of questions about boundaries, relationships, emotions, and how to deal with other people's emotions and clearing their energy out of your field. And what if 
What if someone's psychically attacking you? What if you're being haunted by another person and they're intruding on your space? Boundaries. Boundaries are the way. The more boundaries you have, the better you are at maintaining them. The more surfaces you offer to others to connect with you. Isn't that weird? It seems kind of counterproductive. It seems almost like the less boundaries you have, the less relationship you have, but actually the more boundaries you have, the more clear you are about them, the more people can connect with you because they know who you are. Thanks for listening. Welcome to the podcast. Your questions next. To leave a question for me, dial 520-222-9922. You can ask Pomegranate. Hi, Pomegranate. This is Amanda Lynn in Dorina, Oregon. My question is, what are your suggestions for not letting emotional things turn into physical ones? And also, for not taking on other people's negativity and emotional baggage. All right, thank you. Thanks, Amanda Lynn. That's an interesting question. Uh, it's, it's, it's an interesting thing to think about um, your emotions as... Imagine your emotions are kind of a, uh, your body because emotions are water. They're in the watery realms and your body is mostly water. So what happens is you process, um, you process your emotions in your body. You literally do because your body is the watery parts. So they, they totally will reflect in your physical body. I mean, you can, you can see, someone's emotions in their face, that they're, they're tiny micro muscles moving around. And it's very hard to hide how you actually feel uh, from someone who can read you because all of your little muscles are contracting and, and showing this, but that's just your face. Your entire body is doing that. Your entire body is having a very complex and intensive uh, uh, chemical response to your feelings. So you're having all kinds of hormones going up and down. Your muscles are contracting. Your respiration, respiratory tract is doing something different. You're breathing in certain ways, all based on your emotions. Uh, in fact, when someone is very, very upset, the simplest thing that you can do for them is just when you're, if you're nearby them, is just to breathe deeply next to them. Because not only are they having really intensive um, physiological responses to their emotions, but you're having a physical physiological response to their emotions. So if you calm your system down by just taking a breath in, a really deep breath in audibly, that slow breath I just took will calm the person next to you down. Uh, now, there are people who will absolutely refuse to be influenced in this way, but... Most people, unbeknownst to them, will have a response to that to you. And so what, what you're doing that moment is you're choosing to be the stronger emotional person in the room. You're choosing to have the strongest con emotional container in the room. And everybody in a room will tend to settle into, the emo the, settle into whoever has the strongest emotional container. I'm sort of answering both your questions at once. And that 
when you're when you know that when you know that whoever has the strongest emotional container in a room that is incredibly powerful because then when you enter any space in the world you can calm it down you can rev it up you can make it funnier you can make it more light you can make it you you can um soften it you can and and of course these are all subtle things so they're very subtle things that you do to yourself you do them to yourself you decide that you're going to be you're not going to be influenced by things you don't want to be influenced by and through a through practice you learn to hold your own container of emotional um stability regardless of what's going on with you this is you know this is this can be done through meditation and we always love to say med the word meditation but meditation is just means sitting still for a minute <laughs> that's all it means like i will sit still for a minute and i will notice what's happening inside my body and i will regulate my breath i mean that's the core of meditation uh for me i don't know maybe others will argue but for me it's just you you know essentially you sit still you calm which means that you notice and you breathe and so it's all it's emotions are about how do i influence you and how do you influence me and when you decide well you know i'll tell you you all can feel that way you know say you're going into a difficult family or a different work work environment you have to decide ahead of time you all are going to feel that way and that's fine but i'm actually going to be really in my core connected to how i feel as uh, well-being. Now you can do that. You have to do that through knowing how you feel and processing your feelings. You can't just decide it with your brain and then it's going to be true. You have to actually have a relationship with each one of your feelings and uh, know what they're trying to tell you. And just briefly, one more time, I'll go over this. Uh, so your feelings are real basic. There's not a whole lot of them. And if you know what they're saying, what they are and what they're saying to you, I'm going to write a book about this. Uh, <laughs> I, I am going to write a book about this. I said that on my podcast. That means I probably will. Um, it, your feelings are, and there's a book, a wonderful book I recommend called Emotional Intelligence. I think it's Goldman is the guy who wrote it. Uh, I, I even think it's Daniel Goldman. He is amazing, emotional intelligence, and he talks about the value of emotional intelligence over uh, your typical IQ, how much more important it is to be emotionally intelligent in the world rather than smarty pants in the world. Uh, so your basic emotions are happy, which means you got to celebrate, angry, which means you got to set a boundary, sad, which means you got to accept something, afraid, which means you got to check out if, if you're safe. Disgusted, which means you got to see if you're going to get harmed by the thing that's making you feel disgusted. And shocked, which means you got to go, should I run? <laughs> do I need to run or do I need to, you know, go through change and, and open up, open up something that I hadn't opened up before? So if you have a relationship with those feelings, and I think I got them all. If you have a relationship with all those feelings and you um, can be in a, a core place in yourself settled, then you can decide what the strongest emotion in the room will be. And if you are around people who are willing to be influenced by you, which you'll find by going and doing it, then you will tend to calm, you will tend to enliven, you will tend to bring a celebratory happy energy to the room. 
And if you're around people who refuse to be influenced, and there are people who refuse to be influenced, and they want to be the most influential people in the room, and if their influence is, is unprocessed emotions that don't aren't uh, beneficial, all emotions are good, but unprocessed emotions are are not beneficial, can often be harmful. And if you're around people who are um, want to be the strongest one and want to be unprocessed and want to be harmed and are kind of get off because they're remember it's a chemical factory so your first uh people tend to get addicted to unprocessed uh emotions that are either volatile so people flare up in anger randomly or are really like uh sort of weepy and sad other people are there are people who are seriously seriously addicted to feeling sad and um, or disappointed, which is a kind of sadness, or uh, whiny, which is a kind of sadness, <laughs> or you know, you know, and they're always telling the terrible story of their horrible lives. That's a, that's a sad person who's addicted to their sadness and are not processing it. I think the anger one is more obvious. Uh, there are people who are, you know, were, are constantly complaining about the world around them, and that's disgust, unprocessed, unprocessed disgust. And uh, then there's the people who are always nervous and anxious and jittery, and that's unprocessed um, fear. And so, and of course, it's complex because they might just have kidney problems because kidney pe people who have, you know, aren't eating the right diet and are having kidney problems are fearful. And people who are, you know, like drinking a lot of alcohol before they go to bed, they're harming their liver and they tend to be angry. So, you know, we're complex beings. So, yes, emotions are directly connected to our physicality and our physicality is directly connected to our emotions. So, um, so what we do... What we do is we stay clear of other people's emotions. And if you're an empath, if you, which sounds like you are, um, then you're going to be absorbing like a sponge all of the emotions of the people around you. And your feelings and their feelings become muddied and you don't know where you start and where they end. And in a, and that can be overwhelming. And what will that leads to is fixing. <laughs> so empaths usually, if un untrained, will turn very quickly into codependence. And a codependent is someone who's always trying to fix everybody else. And it's annoying. I'm a codependent. I'm a recovering codependent. And I am annoying when I am in my disease, <laughs> my codependency. And I'm that way because I'm a huge empath man so what i had to learn how to do was how to let other people's feelings not inf not invade my space and i am good at that with mo almost everybody i'm not very good at it with um uh, my marital partner my mate uh and i just i don't know i've never been able to figure that one out if anybody gets a tip let me know but for everybody else what i can do and this is a very simple technique that works very effectively. So on a spiritual level, on an energetic level, we talk about chakras. There is a chakra in your heart. It's called the heart chakra, and it is the center of your empathic receiving. And it's so great to know when you're a healer or you're um, moving through the world as an empath, which usually empaths are healers, to know where the injury is and know what the pain is and understand what people are going through. But there's lots of times when you don't want to know, 
Like, I just don't, uh, I got to have my own life here, my own feelings. So what you do is you notice that, you know, just put your hand on your heart. You maybe want to try that right now. And that's your heart chakra. And so that's, if everything is made out of, if your body's all made out of water, it's also made out of energy. And what you can do is, and this is, <laughs> whenever I do this exercise, I'm like, oh God, it's just so freaking new agey. It's like uh, that scene from Bull Durham where she tells the guy to breathe through his eyelids. Okay, but I'm going to tell you to breathe through the top of your head. I am. So what you want to do... <laughs> You're not actually breathing through the top of your head, but what you're doing is you're drawing energy down because you can just with your intention, you can draw energy from anywhere to anywhere, put it from, take it from anywhere and put it to anywhere else. So what you want to do is imagine like above your head, there's a white light because there is, it's your, it's your spirit chakra. It's way up there. It's white. And up there in that white light, that energy is really clear. And so what you do is you just breathe in. And as you breathe in, imagine that white light pouring down right into your heart. It goes right to your heart chakra and it fills it. And so your heart chakra, which is normally green, kind of turns a beautiful luminescent white for a minute. And then on your breath out, so you've just breathed in. So breathe in and draw that white light down into your heart. And then on your breath out, imagine it beaming out of your heart in front of you, about a foot and a half to two feet. And when it gets out there about a foot and a half to two feet, it just becomes like a beautiful, elegant sort of a shield. Imagine a shield. So breathing in from the top of your head down into your heart and then out in front of you. And when, it, when you're pushing, when you're breathing out, you're pushing all of anybody else's feelings out of your body. And then you're, then you're, imagine pretend and maybe you can feel it or see it or smell it or touch it there's a shield in front of you about two feet out and that's just sort of like not letting anybody else's feelings in for right now because you don't actually need to know you just need to be with yourself you need some differentiation and then you do that again you breathe in from the top of your head down into your heart and you breathe out the back this time because this is the sneaky bit that most people's feelings get in through your back and you do that same shielding energy back there. And then just do that a couple more times. And then you will be clear of other people's feelings. And then you can know, well, how do I feel? And what's really important is to really differentiate between how you feel and how others feel. So if you do this little practice, breathing in, breathing out, a little shielding front and back, you'll notice how you feel. And then you'll go, oh, that person's angry. Oh, that's interesting. That's And then you ask yourself the classic question. We must ask ourselves, is this my business that this person's angry? And, and remember, yes means yes. No means no. Maybe means no. So that will help you differentiate from others. And as to your own feelings and the processing of them, I, I don't know about you, but I didn't grow up in a culture where every single feeling was allowed. I was allowed some and not others. And what happened to me is the ones I wasn't allowed to have and wasn't taught and trained to you know, respect and get the information from became frozen and they became frozen in my body. Where else are they going to become frozen? You know what I mean? <laughs> like They became frozen and those frozen points in me uh, before I went to counseling and got all my priestessing and talked to, you know, all my friends, got all my psychic readings, those things became injuries, physical injuries in my body. Um, and you know, like one time I had this really bad boyfriend and 
my entire and I wanted to break up but I was so insecure and so totally devastated that I wanted to break up but it didn't know how I was like a teenager it was one of those teenager moments tell you know how we are when you're a teenager you have no I mean I had no self-worth and I was just like oh I had to break up with this terrible terrible horrible boyfriend but I couldn't do it I just didn't have any me <laughs> I can't I can't even imagine that anymore but I didn't have any me and so what happened was my body the emotions of that were so traumatizing that my entire back and I was 16 there was no reason for this I had no injury froze up my entire back froze up all the way from hips up to my head froze up I could not move it I was in excruciating pain and um, that was my body holding the emotion of that you know that need to break up that really longing to get out of that situation because it was very dangerous for me and um, I did finally get the gumption and did break up and when I broke up one day one I think it was one hour later or two hours later my back stopped hurting and that was emotion that was the emotions holding in my body and that is what happened so um you know body work body workers will tell you when they get people in they massage them or they you know crack them they people will cry and it's because those things are in the body so i recommend that you um work on many levels to release that because there is healing, you know, get body work, get massage, get acupuncture and do counseling and release those feelings. They're, they're much more painful and damaging frozen than they are released, even though it's scary to release them. I mean, you know, it's scary, but is it dangerous? It's scary, but is it dangerous? It's not dangerous. Mostly every, a few, there are a few situations in which it's actually better not to, but mostly it's better just to release them. All right. Thank you so much for that question. You can ask Pomegranate. 520-222-9922. Visit my website at askpomegranate.com. Looking for a way to make your party pop? Call Portland's Party Psychics, 503-756-1587. Bachelorette parties, birthdays, Sweet 16, corporate events, your group, large or small, we're the fun fortune tellers, Portland's party psychics, tarot cards, aura readings, ask the pendulum, call Portland's party psychics, 503-756-1587 to book your party now. Make your party pop. Portland's party psychics, make your party pop. Hi, Pomegranate. Um, I have a question for you. My name is Minda, and I have a friend who is very empathic, and he's struggling with that, and he doesn't have any tools for how to be that way. So I offered to, um, well, he asked for my help, so I offered to help him. So he came over last night. And I created a magical circle around my house. That's in addition to the one that I normally have. And we mostly just talked about energy and being a sensitive person and different tools for that. And then at the end of the evening, I led him on a grounding. And after that, he clearly was um, much more calm and centered and seemed to, something had shifted for him. And then he left 
and um, the whole time I'm feeling strong and centered and, and, you know, connected for myself. And after you left, I took down the circle that I had put up for the evening. And as soon as I took down the circle, I started feeling really nervous and sad and a little angry and prickly. And I was really I'm wondering what that's about. And I thought, well, maybe when he grounded, he released something and it was still around. And then when I took down the circle, it, I felt really vulnerable Um so I would appreciate your input about um, maybe how I could go about that differently or how I could clear the space better at the end or if that's even, in fact, what you think um, is going on. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Minda, I think you answered your own question. I really do. I mean, you kind of analyzed it perfectly. What I would have said um, was exactly that, that what happened was – you were doing a healing. You did a healing. That's what happened. So I'll just, um, so putting up a circle, I just want to tell people what that is. So when you put up a circle, what you're saying is you're using your intention and some of your energy to say, I define this space and I define it. Um, it's like building a house and closing your doors, and locking your doors. It's like saying, I define this space and only what I invite into this space can come in and nothing that I don't want can't, can come out can come in. So it's sort of like creating an energy container that makes, allows for safety. And that's always a great idea to do uh, when you're doing healing work. Because on a spiritual level, things get attracted to bright lights, you know, it's like moths to the flame, and they're not always pleasant or lovely things that get attracted. And so you want to have boundaries, 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 we always want to have boundaries. And that's casting a circle is creating a boundary. So you did that. Excellent. And, and then you talked about energy and you work with this energy and yes, what you did. And sometimes just putting someone in a circle and acknowledging that they're sensitive and acknowledging that they struggle with that can be profoundly healing because they're just like in a place which has boundaries and edges. And, um, this podcast so far is being about that question of boundaries and edges. How do I, um, maintain myself? and differentiate myself from others. And so that probably just allowed your friend to let go of things he was holding. And so grounding is, is when a person just says, Oh, I noticed that there is an entire planet underneath me and that that entire planet is vastly bigger than me. And that I exchange energy, breath, bones, minerals, everything, every part of my being, I exchange back and forth with this being, the earth, every day. I mean, your body replaces almost, almost I think it's something like 98% of its, of its um, cells are replaced in a year. In one year, you are 98% a new person. So that means you're constantly exchanging yourself for other parts of the earth constantly. And you can connect with that. You can connect with that, that motion, that exchange, and you can intentionally let go of things that are not serving you, 
that are not healing to you, that are not in balance with who you are. You can let go and you just do that by noticing that there's a planet underneath you (laughs) that is giving you every single thing that your animal body is, has and will continue and it continually exchange. I mean, think of it, if just think of that visually for a minute, just think of that visually. If you could see letting go, constantly letting go of those parts of you, and constantly receiving new parts through water, through air, through energy, through food, constantly receiving new particles. And if that were an animated uh, thing, it would look like constant little moments of things flying away and coming to you and flying away and coming to you like you're actually kind of just like a little mass of particles pulsating flying away and coming to you. And so if you visualize that for a moment, you can visualize that there are things that you don't need and you can just let them go and you can let them go back to the thing that is offering you a body, which is the earth. And it's big. Like it's really, really, really big and you're really, really, really little. And so you can, it can really take anything you don't need. It's giving you everything. I mean, it's just giving you everything in this moment, every single thing. And not only that, but everything you ever needed is here right now, exactly in its place. And that exchange of letting go and receiving uh, with your intention, you can, you can put in, oh, it would be lovely to receive or to draw closer to me this thing. And that's sort of a act of grounding. It's just letting go and also calling in. We do it with our breath, but we also do it with our energy. We do it with our bones. And so your, in a year, your bones are going to be new bones, pretty much. I think uh, it's just your um, ligaments are the things that won't replace that quickly. Um, okay, so that's grounding. So what happened to him is he let go. <laughs> you know, just the act of grounding, just the act of breathing in, noticing there's a planet below you, letting go on a breath out what you don't need and calling in what you do need, even if you don't know what that is, calling that in uh, transforms you. So that's what happened. He let go of something, but you were in a circle. So the container works both ways. You create a circle and that does not allow things to leave to enter, but it also does not allow things to leave. So when he left and you drop the circle, he left his bundle of stuff in your, um, in your sphere, in your energetic sphere. So you just clear that out, just do a purification. And that's easy, easy, easy to do. Okay. Look, you can get fancy. And I love, I love plants and I think you can use lots of plants. There's lavender, which is a boundary plant, rosemary, which is a boundary plant, plant the classic sage bundle. You can burn them. You can just squirt them around in a, in a tincture. You can, you know, uh, you know, I, uh, one, one plant that's really amazing for clearing weird energy out of your space. And I have done this is potatoes. And one time, (laughs) one time I had a very big, uh, energy thing that needed to move. And I took like a 10 pound bag of potatoes and shredded it and spread it all around. It was on, um, newspaper and spread it all around the room and and left it overnight and it absorbed. Or if you're clearing out a room where someone has died, um, for instance, that's potatoes are really good, but that's really like extreme. I also have a little cute little furry toy 
that um when i drop it on the floor it jiggles and it goes and then it says who let the dogs out and that's what i use and i use it all the time in my practice whenever anybody leaves i just drop it on the floor and it runs around and does its little thing and or a roomba you could if you got a roomba you could dedicate it to clearing the energy as well as uh sweeping up your little floor so just be creative use whatever you want but whenever you do a healing or whenever you do uh, any, kind of, any kind of work with someone, you always want to do a purification. And whenever you do a reading, whenever you do a hands-on healing, whenever you do anything, you always want to purify your space. And you really want to make sure at the same time, visualize that there's kind of an energetic drain. If you're going to do healing, that takes away the energy that you're removing. Even if you don't know that you're removing it figure you probably will, right? Because that's what it's about. Healing is about calling in what you don't, what you need and removing what you don't need. So, um, you actually knew the answer, but I wanted to give you a little more elaborate, uh, let people know what circle casting and grounding were, because that was a great opportunity. So thanks, Minda. You can ask pomegranate. Are you curious about the woman behind the podcast? There's an article coming out October 2013 in the Portland Monthly Magazine about me written by the fantastic Angela Sanders. She's an amazing writer and it's a cute little article and she talks about me and a little bit about who I am. Check it out guys. Hi Pomegranate. So I've been in a pretty intense relationship the last few months and we care a lot about each other and we're very creative and dynamic together but lately it's gone really sour and so I'm wondering at what point do you keep trying to work on it? And at what point do you decide that it can't keep moving forward? Thanks. Bye. That's a good question. I don't know that I can answer it. <laughs> it's pretty complex. The relationships are complex. Um, but I would say if it's really early on and it's already really hard, that's a bit of a red flag for me. It's not a total death knell, you know, it's not the death star, but it's a bit of a red flag. Um, there's a guy who wrote a book called uh, Why Marriages Succeed or Fail, or I think it's Seven Principles of Successful Marriage. His name is Dr. John Gottman. Dr. John Gottman is the guy who understands why relationships work and what why they don't. And he has done lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of research on this topic. And I recommend his books to you um, just to get you an idea of what helps and what makes, what, you know, why does it getting hard if it's getting hard for the reasons of like pushing you because relationships are going to push you. The, the, they're kind of like designed because um, not unlike there's you, your spirit body, your animal body, and you in a relationship, in a relationship, there's you, the other person, and then the relationship. And all three of those beings need their needs met. So you need your needs met, your partner needs their needs met, and the relationship needs its needs met. And the relationship, if it don't get it needs met, it's not going to last, right? So there are things to look for. Uh, there are things that uh, Gottman talks about, which um, are, he calls them the four horsemen. And the things to look, I mean, the four, four horsemen of relationships, in other words, they're the four things that will kill a relationship dead unless corrected. And so if they're present, 
uh, you have to get rid of them or the relationship will end. It will end because people have a sense of self and they really won't put up with it. Um, so, you know, forever they'll do things to get out. <laughs> so the four and they're progressively worse. As I say them, they will, get, they are worse. So in, the, in your mind, realize that it gets worse. So what he says, and he'll tell you about it in the book. Um, what he says is that, um, contemptuous, no, no, it's criticism. That's it. Criticism is the first one. And criticism is attacking someone's character. So when I complain, I don't complain. I'll say, Oh, I'm unhappy. I don't like what's happening. I say, you're an idiot. You are doing this horrible thing because you're mean. You, you know, so see what I'm saying? I'm talking about the other person and I'm criticizing who they are at their core rather than saying, I don't like this. I don't like it when I'm talking to you that way. I would prefer it if it was, if this would happen. So that's criticism. The next one is contemptuousness, which is literally thinking that the person that you're with is not as good as you and therefore have holding them in contempt. Um, holding them as lower and not valuable. Uh, then comes defensiveness and defensiveness is not listening, not being open, not being interested in the other person's complaints and deflecting them and not, you know, you just don't hear them. You don't want to hear them. You argue, you, yes, but you, you know, you, that's your kitchen sink, which means throwing all the problems in at once. So that's defensiveness and uh, they get progressively worse. And the last one is stonewalling and stonewalling is not willing to talk about it at all. And just shutting down and not talking. Of course you can read about these much more detail in his books, but if you, if this relationship's new and you're having a lot of problems with it and you have any of those four, you got some red flags. Does that mean you quit? No, I think people should, Go into counseling in the first year of the relationship, like at six months, <laughs> you know, because your relationship, if you, when you're in a relationship, depending on if you're, you know, going on a hyper speedy forward or not, um, people can hold it together for three months and they can put the show on. We all put the show on. We're all like, I like you. See, I'm really cool. Let me put the show on. Yay. Look how cool I am. You know, we're trying to win them over. We're trying to dazzle them. We're seducing them. And everybody can be on really good behavior for at least three months. If people can't be on good behavior for three months, then you got real big red flags. Cause that means they can't even hold it together for the first three months. And that's bad. But, you know, after three months, uh, the person starts to show. At six months, they totally show. And by nine months, you gotta, you're gotta starting to see it. So in that period, I think once the hit six months hit, whether you're happy or not, you should go into counseling. You know, why not? Get some tools. Like, why do we think that um, one of the most difficult, intense, powerful relationships in our lives, which is our mate, should be something we should intuitively know how to do? It's like, no, get tools. Unless you have the most excellent, psychologically uh, amazing parents in the world who actually gave you those tools. And I don't, my parents were happy and they still didn't give me those tools. They loved each other and were happy. I still didn't come out with those tools. <laughs> I had to go get them. You got to go get some tools, you know, and you got to get a tools that are specific to you and you need to get the tools that work really the best for everybody. And there's, those are two different sets of tools because your relationship is going to need a specific set of tools. So go get them. Just go get some tools, man. You know? And especially if you find yourself or your partner being defensive, stonewalling, contemptuous, or criticizing, then you really need some tools. And there's nothing wrong with that. I mean, 
just go get him, get him fast, get him in a year or two, and then have a happy relationship. But relationships are going to push you. They're going to push the parts on you that need to heal and grow. That is their purpose. They will find the part of you that is the most hurt, the most scared, the most sort of corrupted, and they will push on them until you recognize it and go, I got to heal this. And if you don't want to do that healing work, if you don't want to do that growth, don't get in serious relationships with people, you know, because that's what's going to happen. So I can't tell you, oh, my God, there's problems in your relationship. Break up. What I can say to you is there's problems in your relationship. Yeah, you know why? Because it's a relationship. <laughs> and so one thing you can do is consider that those problems are actually fine and normal. And that really happy long-term married people. I've been married a long time and I'm happy. And I haven't always been happy. But the times I wasn't happy were the times that were the we were in the healing you know, pressure cooker <laughs> and that healing pressure cooker, because we went through that allowed us to have the relationship we have now, which is really kick-ass. And I'm not saying that we're not going to be back in that pressure cooker again. We probably will be maybe tomorrow, but what we have now is the knowledge that it's not bad to be there, that both of us are committed to working it through till we get out of it. And then once we're out of it on the other side, we're going to be even better than we were before. And that's sort of an attitude adjustment. So, yeah, um, I think we're sold a bill of goods about relationships. Like you'll fall in love and it's always going to feel like it felt when you fell in love, which was an illusion because you didn't know that person. And you were on high on drugs called your hormones, really high on drugs. Now your animal body has designed this specifically because your animal body has a purpose, which is to live as long as it wants and it's most in the most comfort as it can and reproduce. And so it causes an incredible, incredibly powerful cocktail of hormones which drug your ass out and you cannot tell if the person you're with is great or not because you're all drugged out man and what it wants is for you to get pregnant and have babies and it, and it wants the baby to live past its first year and that's about as long as the hormones will live work for they work for two years to three years and then you come out of the drug-induced um, hypnosis that you were in and you look at the person across from you and go, I don't know who you are. I don't know how I got hooked up with you. Well, I'll tell you how hormones. So be careful. Go slow. I know I get in a lot of trouble when I say this. I, I tell people this all the time and they're always like, they get this look of shock on their face. I'm like, don't make a commitment with someone until you've been dating them for a year because you don't know them and you're on drugs and it takes a year to get to know someone and don't dismiss the red flags. And at the same time, don't run screaming from every red flag because, you know, you got to try, right? So um, that I'm sorry I can't give you a, just a really like, yeah, run screaming or no, it's fine. Stay in the relationship. But relationships are complex. And so is my answer. All right. Well, thank you for that question. You can ask pomegranate. Five, two, zero, two, 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 ninety nine, twenty two. Visit my website at askpomegranate.com. Looking for a way to make your party pop? Call Portland's Party Psychics, 503-756-1587. Bachelorette parties, birthdays, sweet 16, corporate events. Your group, large or small, we're the fun fortune tellers. Portland's Party Psychics, tarot cards, aura readings, 
Ask the Pendulum. Call Portland's Party Psychics, 503-756-1587 to book your party now. Make your party pop. Portland's Party Psychics, make your party pop. Hi, it's Jacinda calling. Um, <clears throat> my question is about psychic protection. I'd like a, your recommendation for daily psychic protection. Also, um, what? how do you know you're being psychically attacked um, in your waking hours and also when you're asleep in dream world? Um, in particular, I'm wondering if there's a way that you have learned how to differentiate between your own mind's dreaming and someone actually being present in your dreams, um, uh, meaning that they are psychically entering your realm without your permission. Um, or even with your permission, but more so I'm concerned about without my permission. Um, for example, someone watching me psychically that I may not want to be watching me psychically. Um, so how, how can I do that? Um, first of all, know whether I am being watched psychically um, or if it's just my own mind. Um, and there, and then from that place, um, let's say I am being uh, invaded that way during my uh, dream time. How? What's your recommendation for um, protecting myself from that? And also in waking hours. And how do I know I am being psychically attacked? That's it. Thank you so much, Pomegranate. I really look forward to uh, hearing your response. Okay, bye. Very interesting, Jacinda. How do you know if you're being psychically attacked? You know you're being psychically attacked when you are in a relationship with a human. Because, <laughs> because what we're talking about, what do we mean by psychic attack? Well, what do we mean by, what we mean is that you're, Here's something to think about too. When I, I'm going to describe this to you, and then you're going to think about what you're doing. Not necessarily you, just about what you, what we are. I have to think when I say this. I have to always think, oh, am I doing that? And probably, you know, occasionally I do, um, because like you have to develop mindfulness to not psychically attack others. That's that's the, the problem is that psychic attack is sort of like the most common thing that happens um, on a daily basis, and to not psychically attack someone you have to be very, very mindful. And it's a good thing to be very, very mindful. But a psychic attack is basically, so uh, any kind of gossip that's negative, like so if you're gossiping in a negative, in a vicious way, not just regular gossip, like what's going on, I really care about that person, have you heard this, oh my God, that, I don't know, they did this last Wednesday and I wasn't sure, it makes me feel uncomfortable, Like, which is just processing your own experience of relationships and trying to understand them and where you are and where, what your place is in them and what you need to do about them, how you develop your own boundaries around others and their behavior. This is, I'm talking about vicious gossip, which is like when you hold someone in contempt, when you are criticizing someone, um, when you're defensive about their feedback. So this kind of loops into the last question. Um, 
and you, if you're criticizing someone, you're psychically attacking them. Like if you're putting them down for how they look or who they are, or you're holding them in contempt, that's psychic attack. I mean, it's putting energy out. So everything is vibrational, right? If we come to the place where everything is vibrational and the vibrations that re I receive, I then able, I'm able to tune, retune. I'm like a tuning fork. I take the energy around me. I retune it to my vibration and then I send it out. Okay. And that's happening all the time. Just like you receive air, you take the oxygen out of it. You put, um, what is it? CO into it, carbon dioxide into it. And then you release it back out. And that energy does the same thing. You take energy in whatever that energy is that you are near and spend your time in, and then you release it back out. If you're mindful, you can take in weird energy and you can release it back out as, you know, lovely energy. Uh, so if you're not mindful, you're probably psychic attack, psychically attacking someone right now. And if you are spending very much time around very many people, you are probably um, being psychically attacked. I mean, I'm sure I'm being psychically attacked right now. I mean, you know, and then there's, then that goes up from level. So that's the most basic that goes up from level. So the next level it would be, I'm actually mindfully focused on you and being really harsh and mean in my energy towards you. And so thinking or saying, yeah, thinking, I know thinking, even thinking bad things about someone else, like not bad, but like mean things like that, <laughs> that is really actually psychically sending a vibration out to that person that is harmful towards them. Another way to think of it is if you go to the next level where you're like actively, you know, focused on them and you know, if you have a sense of like that your thoughts have power and that your words have power and that they create a certain vibrational energy and you know that, and you're still doing it, then we're in the realm of cursing. And just remember prayer and cursing are the same thing, except for the intention is different. Some people will call cursing prayer when it's actually just cursing. So when you're a prayer is something that you offer out with intention, knowing that it will go to that person or to that issue and it will heal it, right? That's a prayer. And a curse is sending out an energy and knowing that it'll go out and it'll harm, harm that person or issue. All right different. Those are the two. That's the only difference between those two things are the same thing except for your intention. Okay. So that, and then, and then of course there's like people who, I don't know why these people do this because it's the stupidest thing you can do. If you're doing it, stop. If you can hear me and you're doing this next thing, stop because you're just being so stupid and harmful to yourself. Because remember whatever you're sending out and the degree that you're sending it out, that it will come back to you three to 10 times. So whatever you send out, if you're sending out a curse to someone and you know you're sending, you know, know you're sending it out, but you're doing it anyway, that comes back to you ten, three to 10 times the power that you sent it out with. So if you're doing this next thing where you're actually thinking about a person and you're actually brewing up a little uh, evil spell of, you know, hatred towards them and you're doing it consciously and you're really wishing them harm, stop. You're just hurting yourself. You will, you could possibly even hurt that person, but you're certainly and absolutely harming yourself because any protection you have up is completely dismantled by that. You wishing harm on another dismantles your own protection. I'm going to say that one more time. You wishing harm on another inherently dismantles any protection you might have up for yourself, any protection that you believe that you are 
holding for yourself is ripped open in the act of sending that out and cannot be repaired until you retrieve that harm. This is just a natural principle of the universe, people. So if you're doing that, stop. Take my advice, stop. It's not a good way to live and it's not going to bring you any joy or happiness. It's not going to solve your problems. So your question is, how do I know I'm being psychically attacked? Well, you're in a relationship with others. And um, even if you're not, you don't know them very well, uh, they might just pick you. Pe you know, people with a lot of eights, eight vibrations or Leos like me, uh, <laughs> we take people's attention and people like to project onto us. So, um, so that's going to be happening. And here's, here, here's what you can do about that. You can protect yourself and you protect yourself by A, making sure you're mindful and that you are not thinking or causing harm to another with your thoughts or energy. If you take it up to the next level of deeds, you do harm for deeds, you're really going to be screwed. So just eliminate that. Don't act in a harmful way to others. When it's harmful way to others is another question for another podcast, because that's a really long detailed answer. Um, but I'll tell you one short way to know if you're being harmful to others, you feel it in your gut. Your gut goes, oh, I feel bad. Ooh, you get a little gut lead feeling in your gut when you hurt another, when you have a sort of malicious intent. Even if it's, you don't know you're doing it in your head, your gut knows. So just check your gut. And if your gut goes, oh, or you get that feeling in your heart where there's a black hole, you're, you're, not doing, you're on the wrong track. So stop. Just heal that pain. Whatever's generating that, heal that. So, um, so the first thing you do when you we believe yourself to be being psychically attacked is make sure you're not psychically attacking others because you're wrecking your protection by doing that. Number one. Number two, put your protection up. So, with your intention and your energy, imagine that you have a circle of protection up around you. And up and make it a sphere because then it's all around you and ground it to the earth. Make sure that the earth is feeding that protection circle for you so that it has a life force of its own and you don't have to spend all your time tending it. Three, you want to don't take it personally, man. <laughs> you can't take it personally that other people are psychically attacking you. It's just bad behavior. It's just like being a bitchy queen, you know? It's like just don't do it. Don't, um, it's just like gossip. It's just like, you know, don't, just don't take it personally. It has nothing to do with you. Other people's opinions about you are irrelevant. The only thing that matters is, are you living up to your own standards? That's all that matters. Uh, what you think about others doesn't matter about them either. It's actually all pretty unimportant. It has nothing. Everybody's in their own storyline and it's really, everybody's storyline is very complex and very unique and delicate to, and belongs to them entirely. So you can't take other people's uh, stuff personally. So don't take things personally. Don't attack others. Your protection is no good. And just put up a little protection because you don't need to be receiving it. It's just a little bit advanced on the technique of um, uh, for the empaths to remove the energy and the feelings of others. It's just like you don't need other people's thoughts and thoughts and values invading your space because you've got to cultivate your own. So that's what I say about those things. Um, okay. So now, is there someone watching you at night uh, while you sleep and invading your space? I don't know. If there is, that's not good. That's my end. You don't want that. We don't want, we don't want people or beings uh, watching us. 
<laughs> at night, you know, because that's when we're off sailing over into the realms of mystery and having our little adventures and our little animal body is uh, vulnerable. So if you have that, uh, if you feel that, let's just pretend it's true. Like what harm can there possibly be from pretending it's true? So um, stand up to it. Get a clearing energy. And if you have a real problem and you've tried other things, do that technique I was talking about, about the potatoes. You get your bedroom and clear it because it could just be you're in a haunted house or it could be you just have an energy thing that's attached. Make sure that your bed is not, um, if you can, make sure that your bed, the energy of your actual physical bed has been cleared. So you can do that with... Um, rubbing oil on it or smoke, you know, smudging it with a smoky burning thing. Be careful not to let a little coals drop because that beds are not good. They're very bad to get catch on fire. Um, and if that doesn't work, you do the potato thing and you can do potato and salt. So that means taking your bedroom and putting lots and lots of, um, this is real old fashioned. This is old fashioned people. You go, you take the newspaper, you put it all around your bed. You put um, grated or sliced uh, or just chopped in half potatoes. I think whatever you want to do and salt, go get a big box of coarse salt. Uh, you don't have to do expensive coarse kosher salt. You just need salt. And like, you know, like the stuff that you put on your icy driveway and just put that all on the thing and let it stay overnight around your bed and then clear that up and put if that doesn't work i mean that will work and you in addition to that you want to put little okay this is called a ward you want to put little wards up in your room and they're just like uh dream catchers are kind of a ward because what they do is they they catch dreams that are not useful or helpful to you and they also weed out energy. So you could just get your dream catcher. You could put little stones in the corner of your room, whatever you need to sort of like, just like bing, bing, bing energies. I don't want coming into my uh, psychic space while I dream on the journeys that I dream and in my space of my bedroom are repelled. And I'm just giving it a little support by bringing what we call a ward in. And a ward is a little protective spirit that you can call in and it can be held and anchored by stones or by dream catchers. Or I have little tiny mirrors on the on my around my bed, little tiny mirrors, uh, and they just hold that energy of repelling. They're extra strong. Uh, and all if all of that doesn't work, you might have to. It might be the actual physical space you're in, your bedroom. And if if that you might need to move, and if that doesn't work, honey, you got to get yourself to a healer because the healer needs to remove something because it's in you. Whatever is going on is in you, and it needs to be removed. All right. So that's hopefully one of those solutions will work. And uh, just stand up to it. Just say, "Be gone, energy. I don't take it, and I am I put up with this crap." Get out, have, you know, own the space, own the space, people. The world is your oyster. You get to own it. Thanks, Jacinda. Sweet dreams. You can ask pomegranate. Well, relationships, they are complex and certainly pushing all of our buttons and causing us to grow and become the people we want to become. Uh, they're magical, even when they don't last. I would like to thank you so much for listening. And I'm enjoying so much being able to send this podcast to you. It's wonderful. 
Don't forget to go to my webpage, askpomegranate.com, and check out more podcasts. And I'd like to thank my primo engineero for helping me put together this cast and uh, tune in for next month's podcast. Thanks. You can ask Pomegranate. Five two zero two 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 ninety nine twenty two.